Hello and welcome to the Footballpreneur Podcast. I am your host, Sofia Villegas. In this podcast, we'll be diving deep into the exciting world of football business, entrepreneurship, self-development, leadership, empowerment, women's football, and so much more. Throughout this journey, we'll have the privilege of speaking with the top leaders in the football industry who are making a positive impact and changing the game for the better. My goal for this podcast is to bring people together and inspire change through football. I genuinely believe that football has the power to change the world. From economic development to addressing social issues and promoting gender equity, fostering youth development and enhancing health and wellness. Before I kick off this exciting journey, I want to dedicate this podcast to my beloved parents, Marta and Francisco Villegas. They were my biggest football fans and the reason why I fell in love with this beautiful game. They passed away in 2021 and 2022, just eight months apart. Though they are no longer with us, their passion lives on through this podcast. Now, let's celebrate the positive impacts of the recent Women's World Cup. This tournament was not only a game changer for women's football, but it also had far-reaching effects on society as a whole. From increased visibility, inspiration for future generations, to economic benefits, gender equality promotion, cultural exchange, sport development, and an empowerment of women. I want to start off by saying that this year's Women's World Cup brought increased visibility on a global scale. Congratulations to Spain for winning their first ever World Cup. They achieved this in just their third appearance. The tournament also witnessed enthusiastic watch parties in the USA and, of course, Australia and New Zealand, the home country, showcasing the growing support for women's football worldwide. Second, the Women's World Cup served as a powerful source of inspiration for future generations. Young girls and women worldwide will be motivated by the tournament stars to pursue their dreams in football. Teams like Colombia, known as Las Cafeteras, made history by reaching the quarterfinals for the first time, defeating two-time world champions Germany in the group stage. Jamaica's reggae girls also made headlines by qualifying for the round of 16, despite having to launch a GoFundMe campaign to support their trip to the tournament. It's important to recognize that the journey to the World Cup and success for many teams started long before the tournament itself. For example, Jamaica's women's team faced significant challenges and even disbanded in 2010 due to lack of funding. However, thanks to the efforts led by Sadella Marley, the daughter of Bob Marley, the team was revived in 2014, bringing attention and financial support 
These stories highlight the resilience and determination of women's football teams around the world. Third, the Women's World Cup had significant economic benefits for the host countries, Australia and New Zealand. The tournament generated increased tourism, job creation, and infrastructure development. With 1.7 million tickets sold, the Matilda's brand value skyrocketed to 135 million. And due to the success of this year's Women's World Cup, the Australian government will now invest 200 million into women's sport. These investments demonstrate the growing recognition of the economic potential of women's football. Next, the Women's World Cup played a crucial role in promoting gender equality. The tournament highlighted the importance of equal opportunity for women in sports and society. Football stars like Irene Paredes pledged 1% to advance gender equity through UA India, showcasing the power of athletes to make a difference. FIFA raised the prize money for the Years, this year's Women's World Cup to $150 million, triple the amount from the 2019 Women's World Cup as part of a three-step gender equality plan. To compare to the men, they receive $440 million. FIFA funds each national team with an average of $1.5 million a year. Unfortunately, this money intended to build women's sport is used by each federation on their own terms. An important study by FIFA Pro, the Global Professional Footballs Union, exposed that 29% of women's players who responded said that they did not receive any payments from their national teams for World Cup qualifying tournaments. There have even been complaints from Jamaica who started their own GoFundMe campaign. Nigeria, the Super Falcons, who had been protesting against wage theft and even threatened to boycott their first World Cup match. In South Africa, the women get paid a tenth of what men make. The Matillas even fought for equal pay and reached an agreement in 2019 for equal pay. FIFA President Gianni Infantino promised that Every player in the tournament would receive at least $30,000, but then later changed it and left it for the federations to distribute, and many of the federations do not. There is plenty of money to ensure a living wage to women's player with FIFA's $4 billion in reserve and an expected $11 billion in revenue for the 2026 Men's World Cup. To top it all off, we saw what happened with Spain. Before the tournament even started, 15 players were asking for better working conditions and complaining about their coach. And we all saw how that escalated when Spain won. The unfairness of these women to celebrate the biggest victory of their life had to be taken away due to misogynistic and sexual assault by the president of the Spanish Federation, Luis Urribales, in front of the entire world to see in front of FIFA's eyes. The Spanish team is still fighting now and they 
there have been 39 players that signed a petition that they will not return to the Spanish Federation unless things are changed. And good for them. This is how you bring about change. We're going at an important time in our lives where women are taking center stage. They need representation. We must acknowledge that there is still work to be done as disparities in prize money, wages, and unfair treatment persist. FIFA has taken steps to address these issues, but the fight for the for equality continues. We are with you, Jenny. Contigo estamos, Jenny. One of the key takeaways from this tournament was the culture exchange that took place. You know, I love watching the World Cup because it brings so many people together from different cultures and backgrounds. You know, it fosters unity, respect, and understanding, you know, from the men's side and also the women's side. I absolutely love watching the African teams like South Africa, how they come together in the locker room to sing and dance before matches. I enjoyed watching their content and the unity, their spirit is infectious and it's such a joy to watch. I also love watching the Colombian fans who leave always a lasting impression with their vibrant colors and energetic dancing in the streets. I love Colombia. Colombia always rings in my heart every time I watch them. Not only their fans, but the women's and the men's team. I also want to add that Nualia Benzina of Morocco became the first woman to wear a hijab at this year's Women's World Cup breaking barriers, and inspiring others. In terms of development for the sport, we saw significant progress worldwide. Three African nations, Morocco, Nigeria, and South Africa, reached the Women's World Cup knockout round for the first time, gaining significant media attention. And we also saw how Spain rose to power and won this year's World Cup on their third appearance. It's incredible to see how far these teams have come, considering the challenges they faced just a couple years ago. You know, the Spanish women's national team, for example, didn't have elite facilities or a fully professional domestic league in 2018. But since then, efforts have been made to promote and professionalize women's football in Spain, leading to significant achievements on both national and the international stage. For instance, in 2015, La Liga established a women's football department to promote, professionalize, and advance women's football in Spain. In 2022, Liga F was founded as a professional association of women's football clubs in Spain. In 2022, a record was set during the Women's El Clásico with over 91,000 fans. For those of you that don't know what El Clásico is, it's when Real Madrid play Barcelona, FC Barcelona. But instead of the men's side, it was the women's side. Yes, the women filled a camp new with over 91,000 fans. Who would have thought it was record-breaking? And there's a lot of things going on in Spain. Spain are definitely filling up the stadiums. I had an opportunity to go to a derby in Spain. Not a men's derby, 
but a women's football derby, San Sebastian, with Atletico Bilbao taking on Real Sociedad in Anoeta. They played at the infamous Anoeta Stadium, and it was an incredible dirty derby. The streets were filled with so many fans. I had an opportunity to attend, and tickets were between $10 and $20. Some were actually were giving them out for free, but... It was still an incredible atmosphere and a joy to see how Spanish football is growing. The tournament also showcased strong and successful female athletes promoting women's empowerment. Players like Olga Carmona, Sam Kerr, Dana Bonmati, Marta, Linda Casado, and Salma Parihuelo. Their stories of resilience, skill, and achievement Termination inspired us all. And I loved how 150,000 people signed a petition asking Nike to launch Mary Earl's jersey, leading to a commitment from Nike to retail women's goalkeeping jerseys for major, major tournaments in the future. Along with the list of players that I truly enjoyed watching in this year's Women's World Cup. First, we have Olga Carmona, who scored the game winner for Spain and plays for Real Madrid. Her father passed away before the game, and they didn't even tell her until after the game was done. What resilience she must have faced. And of course, we saw Sam Kerr, who scored the electric goal that sent Australia to their feet against England in the semifinal loss. Aitana Bonmati, the Spanish player from Catalonia, she grew up in La Masia, the FC Barcelona Academy. Pep Guardiola was fascinated with her style of play and was calling her the Iniesta and Xavi of football. Or should we say the Aitana Bonmati of football with her tiki-taka smooth style? She just won the UEFA Women's Player of the Year award. Marta played her last game and was a legend for the game of football. She paved the way for so many women and girls, and it was so sad to see her play her last game. Linda Casado. Let me tell you about this woman, this incredible woman. She's an 18-year-old who plays for Colombia and earned the nickname La Neymar. At age 15, doctors found a cancerous tumor on her ovaries. She beat it, and wasted no time in returning to the pitch and won her second Colombian League title in 2021. She was an advocate for protesting against the Colombian Federation for bad working conditions, a fight many players have to face with their federations. Not only in Colombia, but we are seeing it across the globe, especially in these times with Spain. When she turned 18, Real Madrid went ahead and signed the Colombian All-Star. And one of my favorite players that I enjoyed watching at the tournament was Spain's Salma Parayuelo. The 19-year-old was the difference for Spain in the quarterfinal and semifinal victories against Netherlands and Sweden with her dangerous speed and dribbling. She won the FIFA Young Player Award and has won the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup and 2022 Under-20 World Cup and 2018 Under-17 Women's World Cup. 
So this year, the Women's World Cup attracted more sponsorship and investment. The event generated over $570 million in revenues, breaking even and proving that women's football is a financially viable venture. Sponsors like Visa renewed their partnerships and committed to investing in women's soccer, recognizing the potential for growth and equality in the sport. Media coverage of the tournament also reached record-breaking numbers with millions of viewers tuning in to watch the matches. The increased viewership and attendance at the Women's World Cup mean that sponsors are receiving a good value for their investments. According to Bloomberg, this year's Women's World Cup had more sponsors than ever before, but it still falls behind the men's. Sponsorship estimated revenue for this year's Women's World Cup was $300 million, compared to the men's at $1.7 billion. So we still have a ways to go to catch up with the men's. Furthermore, the Women's World Cups also set new stadium attendance records with an average attendance of over 30,000 and a sellout crowd of 75,000 for the final. Also, the fan parks at FIFA's first ever fan festival provided dedicated sites for fans to enjoy the games and further enhance the overall experience. A total of 777,000 people visited the fan parks. There were also significant increase in media coverage, which is crucial for the sport's growth and development. With record viewing viewership numbers, including 11.15 million people watching the semifinal between Australia and England and 53.9 million viewers watching for China's group match against England. To conclude, this year's Women's World Cup had a significant positive impact. It promoted gender equality, empowered women, fostered cultural exchange, enhanced sponsorship and investment, increased media coverage, and stadium attendance records all continued to the growth and recognition of women's football. Before we end this episode, I want to share a personal reflection. Football has been a source of comfort and joy for me during difficult times. I have found solace in the game and it has helped me cope with the loss of my parents. Life goes on and football has taught me to embrace the ups and downs, just like in life. I hope this resonates with some of you and I encourage you to find your own outlets for healing and happiness. Additionally, I want to emphasize the importance of taking the first step. I've been considering starting this podcast for quite some time now. And I believe that the moment has finally arrived. It is crucial to amplify women's voices, encourage greater female participation in the football industry, and share more women's news and stories. By starting this podcast, I hope to contribute to these goals and create a platform where these important conversations can take place. Thank you for listening to the first ever Footballpreneur podcast. I am your host, Sofia Villegas, and don't forget to subscribe 
rate, and share this podcast with your friends. You can follow me on Instagram at thefootballpreneur, on my personal SophiaV23, and if you love Real Madrid, I do have a, an account called Global Madridista. Until next time, thank you so much for listening and hasta luego.